Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe teaches from the book of Proverbs, chapter 29. Why don't we go ahead and turn to Proverbs 29, verse 1, as we make our way through the Word of God. Proverbs 29, verse 1. As a way of reminder, the, the book of Proverbs is considered one of the books of poetry. There's five books of poetry. There's the, the first one's the book of Job, then the Psalms, then Proverbs, which we'll be looking at again tonight, Ecclesiastes, and the Songs of Solomon. Uh, just to, again, as a way of reminder, a proverb is a saying that conveys a specific truth in a pointed way, in a concise way. In other words, it, a proverb goes right to the point, straight to the point. And that's what I love about these proverbs. There's no, you know, it just goes right to the point. So, uh, again, proverb is a saying that conveys a specific truth in a pointed and concise way. Uh, I'll tell you, the book of Proverbs is a very, 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 very important part of our Bible. Because in the book of Proverbs, as we've been looking at, this is where we obtain you know, the wisdom of God. Throughout the, the book of Proverbs, uh, it talks about wisdom over 125 times. It talks about you know, either wise or wisdom. So hopefully, I, I hope... Uh, by the time we get to the end of this book, that uh, we'll be a little bit wiser than we were when we started this book. And I, and I believe it's all a part of applying these truths, you know, not just being hearers of the word, but doers, applying it. So 125 times uh, it's mentioned. Again, just reminding, way of reminder, King Solomon, the son of David, was the primary writer of the book of Proverbs, and he was the wisest man that ever lived besides who would the other person be? Jesus Christ, the God-man. So it's packed with good practical insight for all of us. So is that being a way of introduction, let's dive into this wonderful book. Again, chapter 29, verse 1. Verse 1 says, He who is often rebuked and hardens his, his neck will suddenly be destroyed and without remedy. Tell you, the Proverbs are probably you know, one of the most cutting books in the Bible also. There, there's just some cutting stuff here. And I, I pray that as I read the book of Proverbs, and as I study it, I allow, I ask the Lord, you know, show me what you're trying to say to me. And it's very, it can be very cutting because it's so easy for us to, to read, uh, you know, the Bible and say, oh, that's for so-and-so. Or, well, that, you know, I hope so-and-so's listening. Or, you know, and we're never to approach the Bible that way. You know, where the best way to approach it is to say, Lord, I'm here right now. Please speak to me. And God's word is alive. So the, the first verse right here, it talks about God's warnings, you know, being often rebuked. When you're often rebuked or corrected, that word rebuked can be corrected. Take heed, you know, take heed to that correction. And I see, you know, wives are saying, honey, listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> but take heed when there's a correction, truly take heed to the correction because, you know, God's not going to correct us for no reason. 
There's a reason why God corrects us. There's a, a purpose in the correction that, that God brings to us. And I know, I'm sure you've all been there before where, where there's a warning, you know, not to do this certain thing. And then you're like, no, no, that can't be God. And you keep going. Then there's another warning. You're like, no, 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 I'm going to do this. And there's a, another warning. And then you end up doing it and you fall on your face and you realize, oh no, that was the warning of God. And we have to take heed to those warnings. And God is so gracious. You know, God, he's, he's going to continue to warn us. He's going to continue to send people to tell us the same thing. And, and a good way to, to figure out that when it's of the Lord is when you're warned by somebody and then someone totally different comes up to you and then they tell you the same thing. I've had many people throughout the years come up to me and say, uh, did so-and-so tell you that after a Bible study? Did so-and-so, was they te- were they telling you all about my life? And I said, no, I didn't talk to so-and-so. Why? And they said, everything you just said is what, you know, so-and-so. I was just telling so-and-so. And, and I'm like, that's the Holy Spirit. And, it, and there's warnings. The, the warnings go out. And, and sometimes we'll do that. We'll harden our heart. We'll think, well, you know, that's because they talked to so-and-so. That's why they're, they're telling me this. And sometimes we can harden our neck. Harden your neck means being stubborn. You know, you, you think of people that are stubborn. You know, you, they're like this. No, it's like they're, they're, they're not moving. They're, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I... And they're just like, they're, they're rigid. And they're just like, no, this is what I'm going to do. And don't tell me. And you don't want to be that way with God. Can you think of someone in the Bible that stiffened their neck? Remember Pharaoh. He hardened his heart. He stiffened his neck. He wouldn't listen to the warnings. Lord, help us to take heed. But notice if you don't take heed, destruction will come. And many times it comes very suddenly. Destruction without remedy. Did you notice that? That's, this is tough stuff without remedy, meaning there, there'll be no cure or no help at that point. In other words, the warnings are there because God knows, you know, destruction's ahead, stop. Destruction's ahead, stop. Destruction's ahead. And then when you keep going and keep going, you finally go, and the Lord was saying, I warned you, and then there's no remedy. Then there, there's no cure, and then you're, you know, you're in it. A good example would be someone that has a, you know, a drinking problem that gets drunk all the time and, and people try to warn that person, you know, you got to stop, you got to stop, you got, and there's warnings left and right. And then they go out and get into a car accident or they, they end up getting killed or they kill somebody else and they end up in jail and, and sudden destruction comes. It's good to take heed. I think about, now, why don't you turn there with me? Second Chronicles, if you can, please. Second Chronicles 36, 11. A great cross-reference for this. Second Chronicles 36, 11. It's talking about Zedekiah, the king, of, the king of Jerusalem. I just want to read this to you. I think it fits perfectly. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, his God, and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. Jeremiah the prophet kept warning him and warning him to turn and to repent, and, and he, he wouldn't take heed, so destruction came. Then it goes on. It says, and he, verse 13, he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. And the Lord kept warning and told through Jeremiah that King Nebuchadnezzar is going to take over. You know, there's nothing you guys can do. It's already done. It's a done deal. You know, just submit to that. 
but he, he wouldn't do it. It says, who had made him swear an oath by God, but he stiffened his neck, talking about King Zedekiah, stiffened his neck, is what we were just talking about, and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel. Moreover, check this out, verse 14, all the leaders of the priest and the people transgressed more and more according to all the abominations of the nations and defiled the house of the Lord, that's the temple, which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings. Here it is. Here's the, here's the warning that takes place. Here's the, you know, the rebuke. Sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them, sending them the messages. Because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. So God, don't lose the picture. These leaders, these priests, they were rebelling against God. They were not doing it God's way. They were defiling the temple. So God, in his compassion, kept sending warning after warning after warning, saying, stop, stop, or you're, there's going to be destruction. But they wouldn't listen. So verse 16, but they mocked the messengers of God. Sometimes we do that. There's a messenger comes, and we blame it on the messenger. <laughs> So they mocked the messenger of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till their, interesting wording here, right? Was no what? Remedy. Remedy. Fits perfect, doesn't it? And if you know the story, it goes on to say that many of them were killed by the sword and then the rest were taken captive to Babylon. They wouldn't take heed to the warnings, warning after warning, Let's turn back to our text, please. Proverbs 29, verse 1. I'm going to read it again. He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. A warning for us. Take heed. Take heed when the Lord's saying something. Verse 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. When a godly man that's walking with the Lord is ruling, God's favor is on him. God's favor is upon the people. We see it throughout the Old Testament. We see when the righteous were ruling that God's blessing was there. When David was walking with the Lord, King David, the blessing was there. Uh, when the, uh, you know, various kings, when they were seeking God, God's blessing was there. But when the wicked would rule, God can't bless sin. God can't bless wickedness. He won't bless the wicked. He won't bless, you know, when, so, you know, this, I think this is a good verse for us just to be reminded. Let's do our best to, to vote, you know, the best way we can. Sometimes it's so difficult, you know, but to pray over our, our votes and to, to ask the Lord to show us, because truly, when, when we have someone that's wicked in the White House, when we have someone that's wicked in Congress, we have wicked people ruling over us, you know, it, the land gets polluted. There's a, there's a connection there, you know? We have a president that, that, you know, is in agreement with gay marriage. You know, that's against the Bible. You know, that's just wrong. And we have to stand out for that and say, you know, these things are wrong. We have to stand up for what is right. But when, when people are in power and they're not seeking the Lord, it affects the land. I, had, I know somebody even mentioned it. They says, well, you know, I don't even know if this is true. It was mentioned about, you know, when... Uh, President Obama you know, ruled you know, that he was in favor of gay marriage and all, that you know, drought hit the land. I don't know, was that? <laughs> Somebody mentioned that. I just saw it, you know, don't know if that's... Uh... But, but it happens. You see it biblically. When wicked rule, the people groan. 
Because, you know, check it out. Wicked people that do not follow the ways of the Lord, the Bible says that they're, they're sons and daughters of darkness. And that's just the way it is. And they're ruled over darkness. That means they're under the sway of evil. And they're going to make decisions based on, you know, not based on godly principles, not based on the Bible. And the people suffer from it. And God's hand, again, he won't bless that. An excellent cross-reference, Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalts a nation. Check it out. But sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. That's pretty clear. You know, if there's righteousness in the land, you know, that nation will be exalted. God's blessing, I believe, has been on this land for many, many years. I believe one of the reasons, this is my personal belief, but I believe one of the reasons why God has blessed this land so, so much is because our stance for Israel for so many years. Because God, and there's no doubt about this, he will bless those that bless them, he will curse those that curse them. Talking about the, the, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I believe God's blessing has been on this land because of that. I, I truly believe that with all my heart because he blesses those that bless his people. And I'm afraid if we start pulling away from Israel, what is going to, you know, prophecy tells us that's going to happen. All nations are going to turn their back on Israel. So, you know, that's going to happen one day. They're all going to turn. We're not going to stand. If, according to, you know, prophecy, all nations will turn their back on Israel. But God is going to stand for Israel. And God is going to be the one that protects them. When these nations come in, as we read about in Ezekiel 38, we read about, you know, Russia's going to come in, Iran's going to come in, and all these nations, these Muslim nations, interesting, all the ones listed are Muslim nations, they're all going to come in and invade into Israel because no one's going to stand with them. But God says he'll stand for them, and he will protect them, and he'll be with them. Another interesting thing, the Bible, you know, talks about how, you know, Israel's never, the Jewish people are never going to be uprooted from that land again. That's a promise. So when you see all the, you hear people, you know, worried about, you know, the, the nations. I worry about the other nations. I, I, everybody's saying, I'm all worried about Israel. This is happening with Israel. We're so concerned. Oh, are you kidding me? That's like saying you're worried about Goliath and David. Are you kidding me? When I read that story with David and Goliath, poor Goliath, he's going down. And it's the same thing with Israel and with these nations that are going to come against them. It's very clear they will not stand up against them. And God's hand has been on them and has protected them for many years. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any nation, to any people. We need to pray for Israel, yes. We need to pray that the Prince of Peace will come soon. But I also think, with this verse, and just to, just to let you know, we're going to go through to verse 14 this evening. We're going slow on the, these first few verses, then we're going to pick up some speed. So just to let you know how we're going to do this. I look at this verse also, I think of it in a personal way. When we allow the King of Righteousness to rule over us, there's rejoicing. When you allow the King of Righteousness, Jesus Christ, to rule over your life, isn't there rejoicing? We have reason to rejoice. 
We have the God of the whole universe. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. And we, can, we have a personal relationship with Him, not only a personal relationship with Him, He lives inside of us, and we have reason to rejoice. But when we have a wicked ruler, we groan. And I, I again, want to take this personally. Is, is I allow my life to be governed over by Jesus Christ and he rules and reigns in my life, over my heart, over the things that I do, over my mind and over my thoughts. I, there is such rejoicing in me, you can't keep, keep me down. But when I step out of that realm and I start to you know, take the reins of my life and I allow the wicked one to influence my thoughts and the things I do, I'm groaning. Just like that verse says. I don't know about you. There's heaviness. There's, there's like, you know, there's all kinds of things that take place when you allow the wicked one to rule. And we can do it even as believers. We can allow our minds to be, you know, seduced or whatever to, with the wicked one. He can come in and lie, but we need the truth of God's word and we need to hang on to what God says as we allow him to rule. There is rejoicing. I'll tell you what, when we were uh, just praising and worshiping the Lord before the service, I was just rejoicing. I was looking at the words of those songs, and some of them I've sang many times, other ones, you know, just, just looking at the words and just like, just, I was just rejoicing, just reminding myself, God, you are king, and you're, you, you have a relationship with me, and this is so awesome. And I pray that's for everyone here. I, if if your, your life is a... a, a you know, a daily grind where you're just groaning, you're like, oh man, it's, oh, oh. I would ask and pray, please allow Jesus Christ to rule over your thoughts, over your, your mind, over the things of your life. Let him rule. When the righteous are in authority, you allow the righteous king to be in authority over your life, you're going to rejoice. But when the wicked man rules, the people groan. Who's ruling? Who's on the throne of your life? I had an opportunity today to, to pray with somebody. To Basically, he was recommitting his life, but he never really gave his life to the Lord. He said a prayer until today. It was just so awesome. So just to be a part of that, and just to watch this man transform before my eyes. I'm just like, God, you're so, you're so powerful. You're so wonderful. I've just seen the change in his countenance and the rejoicing in his soul. And just like he said something like, you know, I, I ran into him again. I, you know, he came here, prayed with him, ran into him later on in the afternoon as we were going to the, the post office. And to me, I was looking at a different person. I was like, is that the same person? He looked scary before. Now I, he looks like a normal person almost. And just to see the, the Lord just working in, in his life already. And he said something like when he prayed, he says, yeah, it was like the a fresh wind just came over him and, just, and he just recognized God's spirit just flooded him. And there's rejoicing. Who's ruling? The reminder to let the Lord rule. Whoever loves wisdom makes his father rejoice, but a companion of harlots wastes his wealth. When your sons and your daughters are walking in the wise ways of the Lord, boy, doesn't that bring joy. I've had the opportunity over the years to see many, many parents see their sons or daughters come back to Jesus. And it's like sometimes there's a weight taken off of them. 
It's like they're, you know, they're praying. They're like, oh, my, my kids aren't walking with the Lord. They're not, they're not. Oh, we need to pray. We need to pray. And then they start walking with the Lord. And it's like a weight has come off of them. It, it brings such rejoicing. And I can only, you know, I experience that as a pastor when I, when I watch people in the congregation walking with the Lord. It, it brings such joy. It, it's heavy on me. When, I, when there's people in the congregation that I'm close to and I've known for years and you, you run into them and you, you, you see them you know, back in the world or back into the things of the world or, or back in, in a, it just, it's, it's heavy. It's like, oh man, Lord, bring them back, Lord, bring them back. It makes a father rejoice, but on the other hand, but a companion of harlots wastes his wealth. If, if the son is a companion with harlots, he's, he's wasting his, his father's wealth. What does that make you think of? <laughs> does that make you think of the prodigal son wasting his father's wealth, wasting his inheritance? He, remember he's, in Luke 15, he asked for half of the, you know, he asked for his portion because he had a brother. And he went out and, and just wasted all that money on harlotry. And then he came to the end of himself. He was eating with the pigs, basically. Remember? Remember what he said? He said, but if I can only... Go back to my father's house. I'd, better off, I'd be better off a servant in my father's house. This is ridiculous. Look at me. And the father saw him from a distance and ran to his son, grabbed him, wept. Remember the, the prodigal son. He says, Dad, I, I've sinned against heaven in, in your sight, and I'm, I'm no longer to be call, worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. And the ring, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And he says, kill the fatted calf. He says, let's have a party basically because my son was dead and now he's alive. I love that story. So, but a companion of harlots, back in our, <laughs> this verse, waste his wealth. Verse four, the king establishes the land by justice, but he who receives bribes overthrows it. Many politicians are influenced by, by gifts. They're big supporters. Sometimes we'll have them you know, make decisions that are, are poor decisions, but not when Christ comes. When he comes as king to establish justice in the land, look out. Verse 5, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. We've been talking a lot about flattery. Throughout the Proverbs, flattery, flattery. Even to, uh, Sunday morning, we're talking about flattery. And here, it talks about it, it's spreading a net if you, if you flatter your neighbor. And I believe that the danger of flattery, one of the dangers, it, if you flatter someone, you're lying to them about you know, something that they're doing, and maybe it's not their calling, it's not their gifting, and you're, just, you're going on and on. Oh, you're so good at this, you're so good at that. And you're, you're just you know, buttering them up and it's all lies and and they continue down that road and God's saying, wait, I never called them to do that. And you put a net in their feet. They're just trapped. They're they're thinking they're doing good and they're not going anywhere because they're, you know, they're not where God has them and where they're supposed to be, where the calling of God on their lives. So flattery can be dangerous. It's like a net. You can just trap somebody. So you got to be careful. We're to speak the truth in love. Verse 6, by transgression, an evil man is snared, but the righteous sings and rejoices. What a, what a contrast. By transgression, an evil man is snared. The word snared, most of you know, it means trapped or caught in a trap. Transgression is uh, a willful sin. It's, a, it's like a sin of rebellion. You, you know what's right, but you do, you, you rebel. You just, 
you know, do what's wrong. And that's, you know, that's a transgression. You're willfully rebelling against God, and it, it brings a snare. When we know what's right and we start, you know, we, we're so rebellious, we, we're going to do it our way no matter what. It's like a trap. I always think of it like, you know, I see people that, that get trapped or people I've seen through the years, people in ministry, and they're doing so well and everything's going good and God's using them. And it's almost like, you know, they're trapped because they, they, they willfully sinned against God. And it's like they're trying to go somewhere. It's like, it's almost like somebody holding on to their shirt and they're just like, they're trying to move and they can't move because they're trapped in their transgression. They're, it traps them. God is so gracious to deliver them and to bring them out. But there needs to be true repentance, so that trap. And I I just want to say, with that verse, if you're trapped, God wants to set you free. Come, be a throne of mercy. It's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. It's become the throne of mercy. It's the sound of our sound of our